weeks. So right? He's not going to yeah. leave Jordan Love, the covered bear for Jordan Love. We know that. He's, he's going to look out for his guy. So, uh, I, Kyle, Kyle liked that. Kyle, Kyle. That was funny. That was funny. What? I'm serious. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite team. What would happen if Brian Gutekunst sat up at a press conference and said, I made a mistake. Plus some fun with pop culture. So you'd never needed to stop for dinner at Magic City like Lou Williams did? I mean, does anybody actually believe he just he chose that just for dinner? Like, does he think that's working? This is Sunday Karma. The, the yeah. unibrow, like, because I'm kind of like Bert. <laughs> like when, like, if I don't get the, the eyebrows done, I just have one eyebrow pretty much. <laughs> But since COVID, I haven't had any of that. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City, alongside his precocious daughter, Harper, here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Karmason. I mean, you were flustered this morning, huh? Commercials weren't working. Usually when, when we play the wrong open, it's because someone else is here. Kyle Wallace is in the building. People, when they hear that open, they assume there's a backup. But Kyle, you are here, right? I am here. I am here. But that was our open from like years ago, right? It was the uh, it was the old open. Yeah. Now, does our new open even mention that we're here at the Avenue, or are we too lazy? Like, at this oh, show? that's actually that's actually pretty pretty good. I I have to talk to some. Uh, I'll, I'll I will get that updated this week. I'll have to have that. Uh... That V.O. sin. I'm not sure if that was ever uh, Yeah, we, we started the show two minutes early today so that you could uh, you could actually uh, hear our pre-show meeting because that's what we'd be talking about, you know, before the show. Yeah, so, I'm glad that's why we behind the to, scenes. I love it. Yeah, that's what we wanted to get. Now, is Madison, did, did Madison know we were starting early? Madison got us. They okay, got cool. Us. They're here now. They're here now. All right. My bad, Madison. You know, we had we had a little uh, computer issues here in Milwaukee, so we decided to go a few minutes early. But uh, I don't know. Has anything happened? Like I I, I was gonna do I, I didn't do the show because I was going out to London. The Packers were playing the Giants, and they had a, a pretty easy stretch of the schedule coming up. You know, neutral site Giants, home Jets at. Commanders. So, uh, anything happened since we've been on the air last? Nah, nothing exciting happened. I mean, what's your take on this, Kyle? I mean, this is, you know, and, and by the way, obviously, you got the only undefeated team in the NBA playing right here, and you have David Stern stepping down. So, since we were here last, not, a few things have happened. And by the way, do you know what happened the day? I believe it was the last day we did our show together. The last day we did our show together. What happened? Oh, yes. Yes, I do know what happened. Paul Chris got fired. Exactly. Paul Chris was fired. Absolutely. I Which do. we had some calls about that that day, right? Like that morning. And we were like, I don't know. I don't see Wisconsin making a change that quick. Nah, I sure didn't. Well, they sure did. I mean, could more have happened in the last three weeks? I mean, the Packers have had the craziest, like, losing stretch that you could imagine. The, you know, the Badgers turn over coaches. The Brewers turn over leadership of their entire organization. And, yeah, and then the Bucks just uh, have been uh, going out and winning, which is a uh, a good thing in a league that, I don't even understand. Um, I mean, that that is crazy. The the NBA, which we won't get too deep into the NBA uh, right now, but I mean, did you see like even what happened just last night in the NBA? What happened last night? I saw the Bucks won. Yeah, the Bucks won. Oh, oh, are you talking about the point spread cover stuff? Because I tell you, no, no, no. Oh. I wasn't even talking about any of that. Oh, I'm wow. talking about that the Oklahoma City Thunder were at Dallas. And they were losing by 15 points with four minutes to go. And Oklahoma City beat Dallas. And the Utah Jazz beat the Grizzlies and are five and two. And the Nets lost to the Pacers at home. The Nets are one and five. And the Charlotte Hornets beat the Golden State Warriors. And those two teams have the same record. And the Sacramento Kings beat the Miami Heat. And the one seed last year from the East is now two and five. Like, 
it's craziness. Like you could just jumble stuff up and like whatever happens, happens. I mean, the, the Sixers are three and four. The Heat are two and five. The Brooklyn Nets are one and five. The only winless team in the NBA is the Lakers at 0 and 5. The Clippers are under 500 at 2 and 3. Golden State is just at 500 at 3 and 3. Number 1 in the West is the Blazers at 5 and 1. Like, I don't know. I mean, all right. But well, okay. So I told you there's a lot going on. We could do a two straight hours on that. We could do two straight hours on David Stearns and what the deal is there. We could do two straight hours on the hot start by the Bucks. We could do two hours on Paul Christ. And what's happened to the Badgers, especially with your insight, Kyle, as you know, a few members of that Wisconsin Badger team. Sure do. But we must start with the Packers because everything looked all well and good. They went out, played a nice first half against the Giants. And then the last two and a half games. Now, I guess you could argue the offense got going late against the Commanders a little bit. But what's your take, Kyle? What's happening? Well, uh, there's a couple of takes that I have here. First and foremost, this offense is not that great. And I fully put the blame on Goody and the Packers of thinking this aura of, oh, you know, we don't need to go out and get anybody. We can just go and sign Sammy Watkins, who's washed up and think he can do something. Oh, we can draft a rookie in the second round and a rookie in the fourth round and throw him in there. Randall Cobb, yeah, you could be the star receiver. You'll be great. We thought that we can just live off the legacy of being the Green Bay Packers and thinking Aaron Rodgers' greatness will elevate everybody. Nope, not the case. So, Craig, I am putting them on watch they have until, what, November 1st That was at 3 p.m. Central Time to make a move to make this football team better, or I'm going to be real upset around here. Real upset. Wait, so now you think – so that means you think they're not done if you're saying they should be making a move. No, they're not done. They're not out of it. Our division's awful, terrible. You're, we, oh, no, we still have a chance, Craig. Well, so you're saying a chance to make the playoffs or a chance to actually do something this year? Playoffs. They're not. I mean, this team is not. I mean, it's going to take a miracle because the defense is actually decent. It's just they be, they're on the field a lot and they have to make so many stops. And in the second half, our offense just disappears and gives them nothing. So, it, so then, kind of what you're saying though, I, I guess I I don't I don't get it though because if you're saying they have a chance, so assume they to make the playoffs. Okay, so assume they lose tonight. Okay. Okay. Yes. So they're three and five. Hmm. And then assume they go. Um. Seven and two the rest of the way, which would be a lot, a big ask, right? But then they go 10 and seven. They could actually win the division at 10 and seven. You know, we don't know what the Vikings are going to do, but there's a chance you win the division at 10 and seven. I know it's hard to say that right now, and you're tied with the Bears. But at that point, if they were to do what you said, if they were to get, let's just say DJ Moore, all right? Are you a DJ Moore? Is that I am a DJ Moore fan. Yeah, I am too. Okay, so then all of a sudden, you'd have an offensive line that's been bad, but is expected to be good and should be able to figure it out. They weren't terrible last week from what I recall. Right, right, that's what I'm saying. But they have, they've been good on the year overall, and they're not going to be good tonight against Buffalo. Let's just say, <laughs> let's already uh, get, get ourselves prepared for that. Jason Wildy, by the way, he'll join us at, at uh, now, uh, okay, he'll join us at 1030. How about that? Thought Jason was going to be at 11.30, but we'll get Jason at 10.30. So then um, the offensive line should be cool. You race that the defense is cool if they're not on the field too much. Tight end's fine. Tight end's fine. Tight end's not good either. It's not good. Not fine? Yeah, no, not not fine. No, they're, they have no receiving threats. Robert Tunyon is, eh, he's his number two tight end right now. He's well, not, see, what I was going to say is, and, and you're right, if you look around most of the league, Tunyon would be most teams too. But what I was going to say is, if you look at Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who have not done as much as you'd hope, Aaron Jones has had a game or two. Um, If you look at those two guys, and then you add one legit threat, I think it changes everything. 
but during the regular season, what I don't believe is you can just bring in a DJ Moore, a Brandon Cooks, or, or a Jerry Judy, and think that all of a sudden you're going to be a Super Bowl caliber team when you're not at the you're not on the cusp of being a well, really great team. Well, you could also say that with Devonte Adams, you you haven't been a Super Bowl team. Exactly. So how are you going to be it with a a lesser version, which is what any of those guys would be? That's very that's a ding right there. Yeah. So I get what you're saying there. I guess my point is is that. To me, so much of what the NFL is is just playing your best football at the right time. Jason Wildey has told us since the beginning of the year that this team wasn't going to be good. And I don't think anyone thought they'd go 0-3 in this stretch. I think we thought they wouldn't be that good and they'd go 2-1 and in this stretch. So it's definitely different than what we all expected. But if this team pulls it together, I get what you're saying. You're, you're saying they're almost two weapons away, right? You're saying... You almost need either two receivers or a receiver and a tight end. Yes. And then you could say, like, all right, you're giving Aaron a fair fighting chance. Yeah. The the guys he has now are just incompetent. And to also say this, Aaron Rodgers is officially a jerk. He's a donkey. That's exactly what he is. Every resort to name calling. No, no, but he he is, Craig, because that's, I mean, he has yet to take any accountability for his poor play. To say that people need to play better or not play, Aaron, you need to play better or not play. Like that is the take to make it seem like it's everybody else and not him. I don't like. So that. ESPN has this thing called QBR, and I've, I've talked about this a few times, Kyle. You, you, do you get the difference between quarterback rating and QBR or passer rating and QBR? If I don't, I can always look it up and see the difference. Okay, so QBR. Nobody gets. QBR is a thing where ESPN actually evaluates every single play. And, like, if you throw the ball away and you should have, that's good. If it's a drop and it would have been a touchdown, then that's not the quarterback's fault. They look at every single play. A 50 means you're an average quarterback. This year, Trevor Lawrence is a 52. Kirk Cousins is a 51. Andy Dalton's a 51. Tom Brady's a 49. Kyler Murray's a 49. And Mitch Trubisky is a 48. All right? You got that? So that's average quarterback. Okay, all all basically garbage and one going through a divorce. Right. Um, that's average. Aaron Rodgers, where do you think he is? What is he? 75? He is a 40. Oh, he's terrible. He's garbage. He's, be, <laughs> he's terrible. So that is in looking at every single play and what you should do versus what you should, shouldn't do. So now... Here are the quarterbacks who he is better than. So Aaron is a 40. Justin Fields is a 37. Davis Mills is a 36. Russell Wilson is a 35. Carson Wentz is a 34. Joe Flacco is a 31. And Baker Mayfield is a 15. Those are the quarterbacks that Aaron Rodgers is ahead of this year. So has Aaron been accountable? So when Aaron goes on Pat McAfee and says that he had his best grade this week of any week this season, your reaction is to call him names and to say a bunch of things. No, no, He called out his teammates. Yep. And he has had this sense of, uh, maybe it's because losing brings out the worst in us. And so when I say us, I mean myself. Maybe I have been masking and ignoring all the signs that I saw that Aaron Rodgers may or may not be a little bit of a jerk. I ignored that. Now that we're losing, it hits different, Craig. It hits di- I have had multiple people tell me, oh, I don't really like Aaron anymore. Oh, this is what everybody's saying. Yeah, this year, it's, everybody's it's saying, a lot it's easier when they're, you know, when they're not winning. And Aaron graded out his QBR rating was a 49. So he graded out last week as an average quarterback. And it wasn't his best week according to QBR. The, uh, the Tampa and Chicago wins were better. But here's what I'll say. Even if it was his best grade of the year, why do you need to say that? Like, is that really the message you want to send your team? Like, I, that, I just, that part I don't get. And we saw late in Brett Favre's career, Brett Favre sit in one locker room and the rest of the team sit in another locker room. You know that? Brett had his own locker room. Yeah. No, I did not know Brett that. Brett had his own locker room. And Aaron saw that, and I think he didn't love that. But I think that's what this is doing. I think he is separating himself from the rest of the team with not necessarily where what locker room he's sitting in, but with his words. And, you know, if, if I, I didn't say with his actions, not with how he's played, not with even what he said to people on the field. 
But, I mean, the reason they're not winning is not ultimately their defense. Sure, they've given up 27, 27, 23, but they're not winning because of their offense, right? The only points that were scored in the second half against the New York Giants, do you know who scored them? By the for the Packers was it? Uh, do we have a defensive touchdown in that one, or was it safety? It was the safety, right? It was the punter from the New York Giants. I don't know his name, I, so I can't even tell you the name of the person who scored the only points for the Green Bay Packers in their game against the Giants. Then they go at home against the Jets and you know get beat by a team that I think might be better than them. Now I, I don't think the Jets have a better quarterback, and that's what we're used to. So Aaron is all of a sudden now losing the battle of the quarterback. And the reason is not that the other quarterbacks are better, not that Daniel Jones was better, not that Zach Wilson was better, and not that last week Tyler Heineke was better. Because Tyler Heineke was okay, but it's that Aaron Rodgers wasn't good enough to make up the difference. Aaron Rodgers is most of the time still the best quarterback on the field, but he certainly has not been elite enough to elevate the roster that Goody gave him, which is what you said and what, you know, you know I've been saying for years is that Aaron, you know, too much has been put on Aaron and Aaron is underrated because of all the things he's done. Now, it's caught up with everybody. What's going to really bother me is the fact that they're going to have to make a move and if they don't, I'm going to be upset, but the fact that they could have made this move years ago when they had Devontae to really elevate themselves to being a true perennial championship contender team. But back to Aaron Rodgers and this sense of him just saying too much, the first thing that made me worried was when they lost in London and Jair Alexander said, I'm not concerned unless we go home and we lose to the Jets. And Aaron said, I don't like that mentality. I didn't really like Aaron even having a comment on Jair's comment. He didn't even need to do that. You can just ignore that. But the fact that he felt like he Jair said that he didn't like that. And knowing Jair, I'm sure Jair run his mouth a little bit. I didn't really like the fact that so Aaron I, didn't address the fact that I Jair think you're said right. That. I agree with Aaron's point, right? Like, I think when you're putting the losing out there in that way, it's probably not the best way to word it. But Jair has to be seen as one of these leaders on this team, wouldn't you think? I mean, he's obviously the, the best player on the defense and the highest paid player on the defense. So for him to not be able to have that conversation with Jair or with the team and think that he needed to have that publicly with a reporter, yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I, I usually, you know, I am I am still uh, a huge Aaron fan. I will continue to be a huge Aaron fan uh, through everything. Uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this is too much for him right now. And tonight will be fascinating. We got to talk about tonight's game. Tonight is, tonight is fascinating. Anyone who thinks tonight's boring, <laughs> we haven't had something like this in a long, long time. Let's talk about Bill's Packers. When we continue, by the way, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars on a game on ESPN Plus, which uh, you could subscribe to now if you're not an ESPN Plus member. The game is exclusively in London on ESPN Plus. Jacksonville Jaguars two and five. Denver Broncos two and five. Jaguars lead it ten to seven. Travis Etienne over a hundred yards rushing already as we're less than five minutes into the third quarter. Broncos have struggled offensively, but got a Jerry Judy late touchdown in the second half. He now has five catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Jaguars 10, Broncos 7, Broncos with a stop in the second half. So Broncos now with the ball at their own two, down 10-7 in the third quarter. Broncos also say they have no plans to trade Jerry Judy, uh, Kyle, after uh, I know you uh, made a plea for him. Uh, although the Texans are open to uh, trading him, uh, uh, Brandon Cooks. He does have an $18 million salary next year. Uh, you ready to bring in Brandon Cooks for 18 mil next year? I mean, who else are we going to bring in? We- Possible just destinations, they're saying, are the Giants, Rams, and the Vikings. Oh, teams who want to win championships and not be concerned about getting tied up in cap. There are. There you go. All right, we're talking Bills and Packers when we continue. Jason Wildey in uh, about 12 minutes. Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com.
You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. The two-yard line, a few completions get it out uh, right around midfield for the Broncos, who have had a just a disastrous first seven games offensively. So let's talk about this uh, Packers-Bills because, yeah, I mean, you can – I know when you're this close to it, it's like the Packers have no chance. The Packers are going to get blown out. The Packers, you know, are such a mess. They couldn't convert a single third down against the Washington Commanders. How are they going to do anything against the best defense and the best offense in the NFL with the Bills, right? I mean, because that's what you're pretty much going up against this week. But here's two stats that I want to give you. And I feel like these have to mean something. The Packers last lost a regular season prime time game 14 games ago. That's right. 13 and 0 in their last 13 regular season primetime games. That means Aaron Rodgers plays incredibly well at night, that Matt LaFleur does not lose games in the regular season at night, and that they prepare exceptionally well for games like that. Here is the next stat. Because nobody, nobody manages the chip on the shoulder like Aaron Rodgers. This is the largest point spread that Aaron Rodgers has ever had against him in his NFL career. The Buffalo Bills, as of right now, are favored by 10.5 points. Aaron Rodgers has never been this big of an underdog in his entire NFL career. Now, I get you could look at it and say, well, there's good reason. Look how bad they were last week. Didn't convert a third down. Look how bad they were offensively against the Jets, who aren't even as good in the AFC East as the Bills. Look at them. Craig, you just said it. The punter scored the only points in the second half. But Aaron Rodgers has never been this big of an underdog. He is the ultimate chip on his shoulder guy. If Aaron could ever be focused for a game, it is going to be tonight. And by the way, uh, a drive that started at the two-yard line for the Broncos is now inside the Jaguars' two-yard line as Russell Wilson's got it going. And you know who he's got it going to, Kyle? That new tight end? He is a fantasy football buzz. Have you you been hearing about? No, it's not the Albert guy. Who's this other guy? No. No. I can't say Greg Greg Dulcich? Nope, don't know who he is. Oh yeah, he he. Everyone was saying that now officially he should be a, a tight end one, and he now has four catches, eighty seven yards uh, for the Denver Broncos as we sit ten minutes into the third quarter, and the Broncos go in. That is Kyle, your guy. I will call him. That is a touchdown for Melvin Gordon, All right, the Mel. third. All right, Mel. And the Denver Broncos go ahead 13-10 to 10 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought, didn't Russell Wilson like have a torn something? What is he playing with? Is that why he was stretching on the plane? He did. He was uh, icing during the game, which is very uncommon. Yeah, a lot of, uh, lot of things that are uncommon. Russell Wilson now, after a terrible start, they had four straight three and outs. He now has gone 17 for 24, 205 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Probably could have thrown three interceptions early, but whatever has happened after that first uh, four possessions, they are now moving the ball effectively. Russ, over 200 yards passing and a touchdown. We will talk to one of the biggest Russell Wilson fans out there. I think I'm saying that sarcastically. It's Jason Wildy. He joins us as we continue. That was a nine-play, nine 98-yard drive, four minutes and 22 seconds, the best drive of the season for Russell Wilson and the Broncos. They lead 14-10. Jason Wildy next, Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and wisconsinondemand.com.
Jason Wildey is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. It is time for Jason Wildey. Good morning, Jason. Oh, it feels like it's been so long. It has been. I mean, Jason, the last time we talked, Paul Christ was the head coach of the Badgers. David Stearns was the president of the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Green Bay Packers were 3-1. and one. Have I missed anything? Yeah. No. Lot, times they are a-changing. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. So... Jason, I don't remember, the, I mean, ever. I mean, this is the first time Aaron's ever been a double-digit underdog, right? It is correct, yes. The previous largest uh, spread in a game that he was quarterbacking was in the 2014 season opener at Seattle when the Packers went into uh, whatever that stadium was called at the time. Uh, Eight-and-a-half point underdogs, eight-and-a-half. And their defense dominated that game, right? I don't even remember what ended up happening. I just remember the Packers' no, they, defense playing well. No, uh, no, that was the that was uh, they lost thirty-four to fourteen. Mm. Was that the game where uh, where the whole thing was on if Sherman was following someone? Yeah. So basically, they did not they did not play Devontae Adams very much. They played uh, Jarrett Boykin. Uh, and they just ignored the half of the field that uh, Richard Sherman was on because Richard Sherman doesn't travel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Now, so, now I remember that so game. They put Jordy on the opposite side. Yeah. So, Jason, we know Aaron is the biggest chip on the shoulder guy of all time. So, mm-hmm. everyone wants to say that this game is over before it starts. It's like the NFL's best offense and best defense against a team who couldn't convert a single third down against the commanders on the road. Correct. Mm-hmm. Jason, we've seen Aaron so many times. I mean, doesn't this set up to be that ultimate Aaron chip on the shoulder moment? It does. Except for the fact that he's going to have to do it without the two wide receivers that he actually trusts. Right? Like, he trusts Randall Cobb. Well, Randall Cobb's on injured reserve. He won't be playing today. Uh, he trusts Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard has a shoulder injury. He's been ruled out, so he's not playing today. So uh, if they, if he had those two guys, I would feel a lot better if I was a Packers fan about the idea of him channeling his chip on the shoulder, everyone, the world's no one in the world thinks we're going to win mentality and also having two guys that could help him lift the team. I think the challenge uh, in Orchard Park, New York tonight is he's going to have to do that with Samari Toure and uh, Amari Rogers, guys that I don't think he necessarily wants on the field with him very much. And Romeo Dobbs, whose potential he sees, but who also frustrates him and gets very dirty looks coming off the field in in Washington. So speaking of frustrating, tell, talk about Amari Rogers and so who who is the Amari Rogers advocate out there right now? Because I I was huge on him when he was drafted, and then I was even bigger on him when Randall Cobb was acquired, thinking that yeah. Amari Rogers would benefit so much from being around Randall Cobb, and it was like you know, the best thing you could ever give a guy like that early in his career. I mean, right now, who's the advocate and what do they say positively about Amari Rogers? Because in these circles I tend to be in, I don't meet any of those people. Yeah, I I, I don't know if there are many of those people because you're in a lot of circles. Um, I mean, I'm in like, I'm like a Venn diagram where like my circles tend to overlap a bunch of different people, (laughs) but but none of my circles uh, overlap with circles of people who are advocating for Amari Rogers. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe they're just quietly doing it and hoping that he turns some things around because I, look, I do think he's talented. Uh, I do think that the coaches love how hard he works and how much he cares about it. Right now. That's not enough if you don't do the job, obviously, but I think he has gotten I don't want to say more rope, but certainly more understanding 
because unlike Rogers, who I think is, you know, has made it very clear his position on air on Amari. Um, I think the other, the coaches really see a guy that is, is, is super conscientious who practices and tries really hard. But isn't that what but, Aaron would normally gravitate toward and start to trust, right? If, if he is doing all those things and it doesn't seem like yeah, Aaron I, is one of those guys on, on the advocating list, right? No, I don't think he is. And, and I think his, you know, I, I don't know enough about how Clemson football runs their offense, but it would certainly seem that Amari's biggest challenge has been to translate to the offense that Aaron Rodgers runs and know what he's supposed to be doing and, and be where he's supposed to be. And then on those occasions where he is where he's supposed to be, like he was last week on that deep ball, and then wasn't able to reel it in, you know. It just it feels like there's been this kind of snowball of negativity. Certainly last year, as a rookie, you know, he just he looked like he had no confidence as a returner, which was the one thing he was doing. This year, you know, he seemed to be more confident. He was in much better shape. Um, again, going back to how conscientious he is, the coaches raved about it. I, just on Thursday, Rich Basaccia was talking about what a great camp he had, and it's hard for Rich Passaccia to keep saying, you know, we think he catches the ball really well when he drops a, a muffs a punt. Like yeah. that's the one thing that you're saying that he does well and he did it poorly and it cost them points. So then what about Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon? Cause those are the two who we kind of were counting on to make up for the fact that they didn't have all these receivers. And I look at them at fourth and sixth, in targets, you know, in, in the passing game, because they're averaging each like 11 carries a game, which to me feels a, a little bit light, which, you know, they've acknowledged a few games where they didn't run the ball enough. But to me, like, I don't understand why they're just not seeing the ball more in the passing game, especially if the offensive line has been shaky at times. I mean, that's where it just seems like they're not getting enough touches. Right. And especially with, Aaron Rodgers getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and talking after the game about how maybe he needs to extend plays some more. Yeah, it's they just they're in this rut right now where, and we'll see if that changes tonight because that would be one heck of a story. Mm-hmm. But they just seem to be in this rut right now where they they can't. Not only is nothing working, but they don't really know what they can come up with that will work. And those two running backs are supposed to be what will work. And whether it's the way games are going or the way Rodgers sees things pre-snap, those guys are not getting the ball sufficiently enough, and it's, it's leading to, obviously, their offensive lack of production. Speaking of lack of production, a three and out for Denver will get Jacksonville the ball back 14-10. Under a minute now to go in the third quarter. Jacksonville's third sack of Russell Wilson on the day. So Jacksonville, which has not had any offense since their 10-0 lead and uh, red zone interception from Trevor Lawrence, will get the ball back late third quarter, down 14-10 from London. So Jason, I I, I don't want to spend next segment on it, but we have to get it out there. What was your take on Aaron's level of accountability this week? Um, It seemed like he started the press conference last week by saying that everyone needs to get better on the details, including him. But he obviously throws in the remark with Pat McAfee that he graded out his best week of the year this year. Aaron doesn't say things he doesn't mean to say. So where did you stand on his level of accountability? And, you know, do you think he took unfair hits on, uh, you know, on you know, on that, on that topic. No, I, I don't think he took unfair hits. I really don't, uh, you know, and he and I, I mentioned this to Tausch, this had not happened in a long time, but he and I talked for about 10 minutes after the group dispersed at his locker on Wednesday. And, and I, I, I was honest with him. And I, the, one of the things I said to him was, look, I've heard basically every word you've said publicly in the 15 years you've been the starting quarterback. And I've never heard you be as extensive. And he's like, you've never heard me call people out for mental mistakes? I said, no, I have. But never to the degree and never without including yourself more than you did. That's what I said. And and I thought that the stuff about – I know he was kind of joking, but as you just mentioned, he never says anything 
without thinking it through first or having a purpose. Now, I while I would kind of like their offense say that the execution was not as good as it could or should have been from him on this messaging, uh, I do believe that his biggest thing was not necessarily to throw teammates under the bus. I think it was to send a message of accountability to a, those teammates who need to do better and, and reduce their mental errors. But I think his target was assistant coaches more than anything. I, I am a, after our conversation, I am convinced of that. And so you know, I wrote about that in today's state journal about which, which, you know, how much blame or culpability is there on the assistant coaches and Matt LaFleur basically agreed with them that they, the coaching staff needs to do a better job of making sure that guys understand the details. Now I would counter that with Aaron Rodgers also has to do a better job of maybe with what you have now that you've seen the struggles for seven games, maybe now's the time where he's okay. You know, all those times I've told you that there's two offenses, there's the offense on paper and then there's the offense as I run it. Maybe you need to do a lot more of running the offense as it is on paper than the way you run it and be realistic about how young or inexperienced players, even Sammy Watkins, who's inexperienced in this offense, are going to recognize things. This isn't Jordy and Randall and Devontae. You know what, Jason, I wouldn't even mind hearing from Aaron, uh, even if he doesn't totally believe it, you know, we are this inexperienced in this, and we maybe should have spent some more time together. I know in the past we've been able to get away with it, but uh-huh. this is a year well, where maybe we all needed to be together a little bit more. And, uh, I, un- and- I underestimated not how important the offseason would be for me, but how important it would be for me to be here for them. That yes. would be a great thing to hear, but I don't anticipate hearing that. And the Packers, by the way, uh, they're just on ESPN. Double the drops of any other team in the NFL. Ten drops in week six and seven. Uh, no other team had more than five in the last two weeks. We are going to ask Jason Wilde. The next question will be, Jason, you told us that this was what was going to happen. They were going to really struggle. Maybe not this bad, but they were going to be the team that nobody wanted to play come uh, December, January, and into the playoffs. Does Jason Wilde still see a scenario where his preseason prediction is true? He will answer that question as we continue. It's Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wildey is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. So, Jason, I asked you the question, um, is there still that scenario where this is the team nobody wants to play in December? And that struggles early and gets it together. I mean, can that still happen? Yeah, I still believe it can. And and frankly, the formula is the formula that they kind of need tonight. I, I don't know if they'll do enough to win tonight. I, I'm not. Uh, I I made that prediction, and Homer called me a a phony because I don't really believe it. And he's probably right about that. But but their defense has to take the ball away. It hasn't done that enough. The they had two near. Wait, wait, wait! So he called you a phony for for saying that that you don't. I don't think he used the word phony. I think he said you don't really believe that. And he said, well, and I said, well, maybe I don't. But, <laughs> um, I, I would. I'm cheering for the story because it would be an incredible story if they were actually able to win under those circumstances. But my my point that I made to him was that the formula to win tonight is the formula that they need going forward and you're not going to be playing the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league every week. So this is the kind of formula that they have had in the past. First of all, I do think that they have to get back to running the offense in a closer version to what Matt LaFleur designed it to be. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a very strong personality with strong opinions and things that he wants. 
And I think Matt LaFleur has to go to a, a slightly more, hey, we need to do a little more of the stuff that we built this offense on. And so it, it's a crazy statistic. Two weeks ago against the Jets, they had almost 70 plays, and they were in the shotgun for 59 and under center for like seven. Last week, they didn't have nearly as many plays, but they were in the shotgun for 38 snaps and under center for like five. Uh, they have gotten far away from the lineup under center. You come out from under center. Wait, I'm confused. St- what are they? What were they in the play? Is your math bad, or are there plays where they're not either in the shotgun or under center? There's like a there's like a hybrid called the pistol. Oh, okay. So the pistol the is not considered the pistol's not considered the shotgun. No, it's closer to it's still a it's okay. still a ball that travels through the air, but yep. it's closer okay. to the so. The point is, is that they have gotten away from lineup under center, turn around, and either hand the ball off or fake handoff. They've gotten away from running zone read running. And Jason, by the way, I heard you talking about that after the show. When when Aaron ran the play action fake in the first half of the Giants game for that touchdown, I was like, Uh it just reminds you of when he's just under center and goes back, and he has those two running backs behind him how much it puts in the defense's head. And right. it just seems it's, it's, you know, troubling to imagine that, like, that isn't a good thing for the Packers' offense. Like, I don't understand. It's, it's you know, of, of why that isn't a bigger part of the equation. Yeah, and, and I, I did ask, is it because of Roger's thumb and that having the ball – hit his hand with such force play after play after play is that part of it and Rogers says it's not he says I can go under center as much as Matt wants me to uh and then they went into you know Rogers as he always does explained well there's these checks that the the defense runs when you're in the gun which allows us to read different things and I'm like okay but what I'm trying to understand is the whole point of this offense after you guys got McCarthy fired was that there wasn't enough scheming guys open. There wasn't enough uh, illusion of complexity, which is the phrase that Matt LaFleur likes to say about their offense, which dovetails into this discussion about whether they're too, they need to simplify or not, right? Because theoretically, this offense isn't supposed to be complicated. It's just supposed to look complicated. So on the offensive side of the ball, it's doing that. It's getting the ball to the running backs more frequently. It's getting healthy with a couple of wide receivers that they really trust. And it's Rodgers being more accurate because for all the other complaints that they've had, and he's had some valid complaints, no doubt about it, he needs to throw the ball more accurately. He has missed throws that you're not accustomed to seeing him miss. I don't know if that's from the thumb dating back to London, or he just hasn't been as accurate this season. On the other side of the ball, as I was saying, that interception return for a touchdown that Devondre Campbell had were their first points off of a turnover all season. And it happened in the seventh game. They have to get the ball. They have to take it away. And then the offense has to convert on that. They hadn't, they had four takeaways going into that game. So it's not necessarily that the offense hasn't cashed in enough on turnovers. They haven't had enough opportunities to cash in because there have been only four. So they need to do that. It does seem like, the one change that has happened that had been positive, except for Terry McLaurin taking advantage of a couple of times where he got the better of Jair Alexander, is they have become more aggressive. If you look at the last two games, they've gotten their hands on more passes. They have been in tighter well, coverage. I mean, that's not the only change, because you said the other change was that Aaron talked to you for 10 minutes uh, after the <laughs> the other stuff. So what, what led to that change? We understand the defense, why they made that change. What was the key to the change of you and Aaron having this 10-minute discussion in the locker room for the first time all year? Uh, I, when the group dispersed, I just said, you understand why people are second-guessing your approach on McAfee, right? So I said, so that so, so you hadn't talked to him all year, and you decided, and that that was how you led. Not like nice to see you. Not like uh, how are you doing? No, I had. Uh, I I know you're. Uh, I I know you care very deeply about my relationships, <laughs> and I appreciate that as a friend. Uh, I I will tell you the uh, olive branch that I had extended previously. Oh, okay. So uh, there was a previous privately. olive branch. 
it was not a discussion. It was a very short discussion, but it was a, there was a olive branch. But my my point to him remains the same, and and I, I understand what his thought process was because you, as you said at the very beginning of this portion of the show, he always has a reason for doing things the way he does them. I think that if he was being a thousand percent honest, he would acknowledge that, and maybe it's the the vibe that he has when he's on with those guys. Um, I think if he had a do-over, I think there's a few things that maybe he would have tweaked in how he delivered some of the things he said. So, Jason, as we think about this season and where they go, Kyle came on here today saying, you know, if they don't add a weapon or two, because he feels like Tunyon's a number two tight end, um, then they're giving up on the season. Do you think there's a chance they add a legitimate weapon or two? I think there's a chance. But you don't think it's uh, first happening, though. Uh, I mean, but I don't think it's likely. No. Yeah. I, so here's a couple problems. One, I agree with what Kyle said there about Tunyon. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think he's close to being – I think he is a one when he's healthy, but he's he's the quintessential coming off the ACL, able to play, but not nearly the same player guy the first year back. Like, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't run – routes down the seam like he had in the past. He's not getting yards after the catch like he did in the past. I think he is playing like a number two tight end, which I don't think he is when he's healthy. I think he's a really good player when he's healthy. So I agree with Kyle with where he's playing now. Um, in terms of their wide receivers, my thing is like, does Kyle, does Brandon Cooks do it for you? I mean, it's something like, better than nothing. No, you you not said like he does do it for you. You said what? You said he does do it for well, yeah, you. I mean, he, even at eighteen million, even least... at eighteen million next year, he does it for you, right? Yeah, I would take Brandon Cooks. I would be happy to have another threat receiver that's a proven receiver that can get you a thousand yards. Like I think, so my issue is, if I'm if I'm Goody, and I really want to like really go for it, which is what you're looking for, right, Kyle? So Brandon Cooks strikes me as like a younger version of what I already have in Sammy Watkins. The guy that is good, sort of, and he's been in a bunch of places in a bunch of different uniforms in the last couple of years. No one really loves him, that they want to keep him around. And I don't know how much that helps you. If you want to really be bold, which, and again, I don't know if Carolina, I'm still a big doubter that Carolina has any interest in even moving DJ Moore because they're going to have a young quarterback next year when they can start their building process again and he needs to have somebody who's good to throw to so I don't believe that they're going to part with DJ Moore they've given him a big signing bonus they've made the investment I don't think he's going anywhere but if for some reason they are willing to move him I think the bold move is to get him and Chase Claypool and say you know what we Rogers may not even be back next year we're going to push all the chips in. We've had him. We've taken the regular building approach. We've come up short the last couple of years. We're going to have to take a step back regardless of, of what happens whenever he leaves. Let's just go for it. And I don't think Goody has that in him. And I think that's really the only thing they can do if they really want to be bold at the trade deadline. And I just don't see him doing that. I'll be very surprised if he does. Kyle, you take that, right? Yeah, I definitely would take that. Just give Aaron some, you know, NFL quality receivers that have a little bit of experience that he can throw the ball to. Yeah, I mean, so uh, all right, so Jason, you uh, you said it's a homer. Here's the scenario where they could do it, and then you said you kind of called yourself out that you don't know that it's really possible. As Packers fans sit down for Sunday Night Football, this is the first time I could remember in a, I mean, pretty much ever that the Packers had Aaron Rodgers under quarterback, that they're sitting down thinking, I'm going to turn off the TV at halftime. This is going to be 28-3. to Do you think it's more likely to be a one-score game at the half or a three-score game at the half? No, I think it's more likely to be a one-score game. I, I, really, I, think, I think Rodgers, and again, we know what he has to work with. We know, in my opinion, I was being unrealistic to think they can actually win. But I think this could be one of those Sunday games where you're sitting there in the third quarter. Like, it's one of those games – I know we don't think of the Packers this way, 
but there are, there are games early in the season where they don't flex yet, where you're like, why is this the Sunday night game, right? Like <laughs> Pittsburgh is struggling and they're still on Sunday night. And you're like, well, God, this is kind of a lame game. I'm not really all that interested. In it. And then it ends up being like a really great game, right? And maybe the underdog team still loses, but it's really an entertaining, close game. And there's some crazy things that happen that keep it close. Mm-hmm. And in the third quarter, you're like, boy, I'm glad I watched this game. I think that's what it's going to be tonight. I think I, the Jason, I love that. It. I feel like a lot of those times, though, the team that you're wondering about is the home team. So I think to have all those oh, things going fair. on and be on the road, again, it's the ultimate Aaron <laughs> Rodgers chip on the shoulder. And that's why I'm not willing to say yet until I see him in one of these spots where he's completely counted out, like not show up. I, I think he shows up big tonight. And I think Aaron Jones shows up big tonight because he's the guy at this point who he can count on, right, in the passing game yeah. more than anybody else. So. And I need to I I need to go back because I think the night that they went to Houston on Sunday Night Football, they certainly weren't anywhere near the underdog they were they are tonight. But they were they were ha- they were struggling. They weren't playing very well. Uh, they were definitely underdogs going into Houston. JJ Watt did the belt on a sack, and then Rodgers ended up throwing like six touchdowns. What about that and Kansas City game? It. I mean, that, I mean, it was recent. I mean that that felt like yeah. a, a Mahomes, Kansas City Mahomes team. Mahomes didn't play. Yeah. Mahomes didn't play. Yeah. Right. But but yes, that's another game where they were kind of uh, that was nineteen, I think, and they were kind of scuffling offensively. But you know, the 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 Houston game is the one where he does the interview afterward and he does the. Uh, I think he would love nothing more than to be being interviewed by Melissa Stark after the game tonight and give that shh again. We will see Jason Wilde back to his 10-minute discussions with Aaron uh, at the locker. We'll find out uh, how those evolve uh, at this same time uh, next week. Thanks, Jason. All right, guys. Take care. Be good. All right. It's been uh, a long time since I've been able to say this. 7 and 11 next Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. A Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com.